This, these are the very words of God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. One more time. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And for the third time, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Father, I pray that you just come. God, I am so grateful that we don't have a dead religion, which is just a bunch of people doing things, forms and rituals that seemed like good ideas, but are just something that people made up. But God, we have the opportunity to actually relate to the living God through the confidence and forgiveness of the shed blood of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit of God. And we have your very words, Father, inspired by the Holy Spirit, delivered to us through prophets and apostles that are trustworthy, so that when we read your word, we're actually hearing you speak to us. So God, thank you. Thank you. What mayhem there would be without a book. Sometimes people think the book is the problem. But what mayhem there would be if you had not spoken to us in Scripture. And so, God, I'm just really grateful. And I pray, Father, that you would soften our hearts. Father, I anticipate we're going to go lots of places in this message. Fun places, hard places, painful places, joyful places. And I, Father, that, I pray that you would lead us as a church through every single, single place we go. Lord, you're God. And uh, I, I do know and trust that you love every single person who's here and that it's no accident that they're here on this particular Sunday morning. And so, Lord, would your Holy Spirit add the, the amen to your word preached in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, I do want to show you a video. Don't start it yet if that's possible. But um, today is three months that Timmy came to Canada. Three months ago today, thank you, he landed in Canada. And um, before he got here, he was just, he was a Bulgarian boy living in an orphanage and so i just want to show you a video that jackie and i videotaped sorry this is a video that we digitally encoded into memory on a smartphone (laughs) sorry i said videotape which most of you what is a tape (laughs) tapes that thing that you use to like hold your chest back and your eyes up never mind your pieces of paper together i technology okay can we roll this thing Oh, yeah. Okay, Timmy. Um, can you say Dada? Lala. Can you say Mama? Oh, wait here for a sec. Wait here. Can you say Mama? Can you say Mama? Can you say Mama? What's Mama? Can you say Mama? Good. Ma. Can you say Wata? 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 Can you look so sad? Can you look sad? And can you be surprised? And can you be happy? Can you be happy? 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 Well, thank you for looking at me. Now, can you say more? You want some num nums? You say, oh, more num nums. Good, <laughs> more num nums. Can you say head? Head? That's my head. Your head. Now you say, all done. All done. All done. Good boy. All right. So I wanted to just show you that stuff in part because Timmy's the coolest kid in the world. And the other part is just because he didn't know any, any, any English, any signs, any, anything three months ago. And that's like a sampling of what he has picked up since he's come to Canada. And, uh, for me, it's just a huge reminder of the thing I want to talk about this morning, which is the power of imitation. He doesn't know English. 
So to learn all that stuff, it's not like we took him to um, sign language course and we just talked at him. You put, you splay your hands, okay, splay your hands, and now touch your thumb to the top of your head. Just so you know, if you know any baby sign language, he made up all those signs pretty much by himself or took a sign and just adapted it. But he is just mimicking mom and dad or the kids. All that stuff and so much more just by looking and then doing it himself. Okay, it's the power of imitation, and this is what um, I want to talk about because this is what God wants to talk about in our lives. As beloved children, imitate God. See it, do it. It's so powerful that a child with a fairly significant disability can come to a country and learn tons and tons and tons of ways to communicate just by watching and doing it what he sees himself. So if Timmy can do it, you can too. The power of imitation. Imitation is actually one of the most powerful forces in human life. It's how we learn language. So we don't take children to advanced semiotic or linguistics courses and teach them about morphemes and phonemes. You don't do that stuff. They just watch you do that thing with your face, and then they try to do it too. They try to make the same sounds, and then they... they just learn language by imitation. And you kind of work on the pronunciation sometimes. And, but they just, they watch and they mimic. They, oh, if I say cookie, I get one of those sweet biscuity things. I'm going to learn how to say cookie. Cookie, 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 cookie. And they imitate. They do a little cause and effect. And they do a risk analysis. And if they think they're going to get something great out of it, they imitate what they think you have to do to get it. It's the power of imitation. And that's how we learn language. Clothes. The kinds of clothes we wear are often about imitation. Somebody cool and popular is wearing that thing, and I have to wear it too. Kids fads. Okay, I'm going to do something here. Watch this. Okay. For the entire course of human history, no sane person ever did that. (laughs) Until about a year ago. And then the kids thought it was cool. And now everybody's doing it. To the immense detriment of humankind. (laughs) And it's just the power of imitation. Like seriously, it is just people copying people because they saw somebody doing it. Golf. Nobody in their right mind would actually take up golf. <laughs> unless, something, unless your dad or somebody you thought was cool was doing it and you wanted to kind of be like them. But nobody would take the smallest ball and the longest stick to try to hit in a hole that's like seriously farther away from La Brokery than here and call that a good time unless you're Scottish or there's something wrong with you or somebody cool is doing it. And I joke, and I am Scottish, and golf is great. (laughs) The power of imitation. It is actually one of the most powerful forces in the universe that God made. It's not by accident. It's because God made the world to be like this. If you've read through Genesis chapter 1 recently, when God finished, or on the last day of creation, not the one where he rested, but the one before where he was still creating, the climax of his creative efforts were to create human beings and when he made them he said that he made them what in his own image we're meant to imitate him 
That, that is like the first description of what it means to be human is that we're an imitator. We're supposed to reflect who God is. That's, that's like, what does it mean to be human? You're supposed to imitate. And you're going to imitate. The question is, who are you going to imitate, God or not? But that is our nature from the very beginning. And it continues on with things like children. So in Genesis chapter 5, in verses 1 to 3, we read this. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He made him an imitation of God in order to imitate God. Male and female, he created them. So male and female both are, are representatives of God. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam was 130 years old, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So when we have kids, we give birth to little imitators. And they look like us. And so when the kid pops out, you you say right away, oh, it's got my eyes and your nose and great-grandpa Dick's lips. I'm not sure how that turned out, but maybe they're extra puffy and great-grandpa Dick had a thing. I don't know what it is. But we're not surprised. But this... This is, this is how the human universe works. We imitate. Okay? And, and just so you know, some of you with young kids, your kids are going to floss after church because I did it. They're going to get up. Remember that time in the mess when he did it? And they're just going to do it. And they're going to, and they laugh at each other because they saw me do it. And it's going to happen. Don't come down too hard on them. Blame me. All right. The power of imitation is happening, it will happen, and God created it to happen. It's his intention that imitation would serve the kingdom of God and to serve relationships and to serve Christian families. Let me seem like I'm changing the subject for a little bit. For the last while, we have been working through the Ten Commandments as a way to um, know God and live as Christians. And we are in the fifth commandment, which in Deuteronomy says this. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And just in case we think that the Ten Commandments were meant to get washed away by the blood of Christ, the Apostle Paul actually picks up this very commandment in Ephesians and he says, Children, obey your parents, for this is right. And then he quotes these very words. I probably have it here. Is my clicker going to click? Okay, if I went too far, can you take it back for me? He quotes these very words. We'll figure it out. For Christian families. It says, the 10th commandment still applies so that you'll get the blessing inherent in it. Because there is a promise. If you do this, it will go well with you and you'll dwell long in the land. And the Apostle Paul, through the lens of the cross, hears the promise from the 10 commandments and wants Christians to get the blessing of God that is in the 10 commandments. Okay, let's go one forward, one slide forward so we can read that. But we're fine one way or the other. Just listen to the soothing sound of my voice. So the first time I talked about this, I, and this was a while ago, I was saying, church, let's honor our mothers and fathers so that we're lining ourselves up to get this blessing that God wants us to have. And we admitted together, sometimes this is very, very, very difficult. And then I, I encouraged us together, even though it's difficult, 
Let us, by the power of the Spirit, do our best to fulfill God's plan, that we would find ways to honor in our hearts or in our actions as much as it depends on us, mothers and fathers, whether physically or spiritually, so that God would be pleased and be ready to give this blessing for this happening. Last Sunday when we got together... I took this same verse and I wanted to zoom out of it a little bit. Now, lots of people weren't here, so I'm rehashing a little bit. You can check it out online. And the big thing I wanted to say was that when God gives this command to the families of Israel, moms and dads and children, he's commanding them how to live. This is his entryway into every single command he gives families of faith and how they are to live and treat each other. And so what I was saying is that God claims lordship over every single family. He believes he has the right to tell us how to live together. We see it right here in this commandment. It's echoed again in the New Testament. And it shouldn't be a surprise, but sometimes we need to get reminded the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ, believes he has the right to be Lord over every single family, including directions on how we should live and treat each other. And what I did is I took us to Galatians chapter... 6 verse 1 where the apostle paul working with a church that has strife and conflict in it and he's saying we need to stay holding fast to the gospel of jesus christ especially being justified by faith in him and looking to the holy spirit to bear his fruit in your heart he sets down a ground rule for how the church should deal with relational problems and he says i'm going to try to quote it from memory he says brothers if any of you is trapped in any kind of transgression you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness and it's not just a spirit of gentleness like i have a spirit of gentleness because a few verses before he's saying one of the fruits of the holy spirit is the spirit of gentleness so what he's saying is you who are spiritual meaning you who are filled with the spirit should be employing the spirit's fruit of gentleness as you work to restore someone who's in a in a bad way And what I'm saying, and I will continue to say, is that this is God's standard for how families and marriages and churches should work together when something seems to be going wrong. The standard is you must be seeking other people's restoration and be working with them in a spirit of gentleness. And when things fall short, we need to either just not get involved or apologize. Amen? Amen. This is God's standard for how we're supposed to relate to each other. Now, right now you might be feeling like, oh, this is a standard. Well, this isn't very exciting. Do you want to go to a church where nobody cares if you're fixed when you have a problem and nobody cares if they talk to you gently when they're addressing you on stuff? Is, that, is this our idea of a fun time? Do we want the opposite? When there is a problem, try to make things worse in a spirit of fury. No. Right? So for Calvary Chapel, this is God's standard. For every church, this is God's standard. For every marriage, this is God's standard. For every family, this is God's standard. If somebody is stuck in a transgression, if something's going wrong, you're to seek to restore them, not just bust them, in a spirit of gentleness. And if you can't do it, maybe just stay quiet. And if you tried to do it and you failed, admit it and work towards change. Because God is the Lord over every relationship. All right. Today, there's more. Today, there's more. 
Today I want to take us and use this command as a spiritual checkup, especially for Christian families and marriages. God calls in Old Testament, New Testament together um, for there to be a honoring of mothers and fathers by the children, which means that it must be possible, or else why would Paul command it? He doesn't say, children, grow hair out of your eyeballs. Children, jump over your house. Children, eat an entire gigantic squid in one sitting. Doesn't, he, he's not commanding the impossible. He says, children, honor your mother and father so that you can get the blessing. And so here's the question for the adults. Is this kind of from-the-heart honoring of parents the flavor of your home? Not that it's the only thing that happens, because, of course, every family is filled with, with problems. <laughs> family is just Greek for problem. Just kidding. That's not true. Um, there's, always, there's always falling apart. There's missed nap times. There's hunger pangs. There's selfishness. There's frustration. There's envy. There's somebody breaking somebody else's toy. That happens. But in the general is the relationship between the adults and the children one of genuine honor being expressed. And I mean genuine because um, you can make a kid obey the rules with, with enough manipulation or twisting or threats. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you're in fellowship with your kids in such a way and they understand God's call on their life in such a way that often... The response to a, could you go clean up your room, is a, yes, mom, or a, yes, dad. Alternatives could be, um, when there is obedience with kids, it's not done in fellowship, so it's done um, just so they don't catch it in the neck. It could be done with whining, it could be not done in rebellion, or it could only be done after a lot of backtrack and negotiations. Junior, can you go clean your room? I don't want to clean my room. Your cleaning room isn't clean. Why should I have to clean my room? I know where everything is. Okay, I'll clean my room. If you give me a chocolate chip cookie, make it two chocolate chip cookies. It looks like I got you on the ropes. Make it the bag of chocolate chip cookies, but then maybe I won't. And when you, I want my sister to help me, and you should help me first. There's stuff in here I can't lift up all by myself, and I hurt my back, and I hurt my knee, and I hurt my arm, and I hurt my... And when's dinner? I want to have lunch. I haven't eaten lunch yet. It's 11.25. I want to eat lunch before I get up then. That wouldn't be an example of fellowship-based cheerful honoring of parents. Or you can have kind of um, this honoring happening, but there's, um, sorry, things going well could include working through things with mutual affection. Um, Do you hear expressions of gratitude from the kids? Uh, Do the kids want time together? When you're talking to kids, do you feel like there's an open heart, that they're listening and, and you're listening to them, that there's, it goes back and forth easily? Um, and is there a sense of being able to talk about how you're doing? These would be good things. This would be examples of cheerful honoring happening. There, there is a kind of an obedience 
You get there, not a kind of an obedience, but generally there is, and it's in a context of affection, gratitude, um, wanting to be together when things are done, open hearts, and being able to converse. Now, if you're anything like me, if I were sitting there in where you're sitting, I would probably be going, Bleh! right now, Bleh! I feel terrible, Bleh! and so if you do feel blah right now, then welcome to my world, and we're all in this together, and let's not stop now. But there is a reason why I'm, I'm talking about this stuff, which are common areas where Christian families can have real struggles getting to this place where we're actually fulfilling God's command of of the honoring and the peace and the unity that I think God believes is possible for us. And so I want to go to the very, very deepest foundations. Okay, so if this is if the truth is is that it is very rare for this kind of fellowship and honoring to be happening, we're not going to talk about practical stuff to do about that today. We're going to back up the truck and actually look at the deepest foundations. Okay? Let's come back to the imitation piece. God's plan is for church families and Christian families to have a sense of love and obedience present because the parents are imitating their God and Father. That's where it's supposed to all come from. Not about rules, not as an anger or embarrassment reaction because of the sermon today, not in order to make things look good for the neighbors, not in order to try to achieve some status so you can enter ministry. The most fundamental motivation and source of real joy and love and peace in the Christian family is meant to flow from mom and dad imitating their heavenly father as beloved children. That's where I want to start. Okay, I've talked about a lot of things. If you come away from anything today, this is the big idea. Peace-filled, joyful relationships between parents and kids, which God wants, is designed to flow from the adults imitating God as beloved children. That's where you want to start. And it can seem counterproductive if there's trials or whatever. If, if the teenage years catch you off guard, if things are just hard all the time, uh, let's not go to the practical stuff first. Let's stop and look and say, ask the question, God, am I really walking in your love? All the way up, all the way down. And am I just trying to show the people I live with what you're like out of what I know. Let's let's start there. Amen? Okay. This, this is how it's supposed to work. Our kids act like us as we act like God. That's how the universe is supposed to work. And I want to add another thing onto this because, hey, why not? Because there are two parts to the imitation of God that we're called to in Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul calls us to be imitators of God as beloved children. And then he goes on and says, And walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So there's that. Walking in love because we're loved, because God showed love to us. 
But Peter takes the same idea as, as showing our sonship and showing our daughtership in First Peter, and he takes it in a different direction, or sorry, a slightly different direction. They're actually the same direction. In First Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and 16, it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And now here's the really important part. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Same idea. Imitate God as his children. Paul emphasizes the walking it out in love. Peter emphasizes walking it out in God's holiness. These really are two sides of the same coin. But this morning, some people need to hear the love part, and other people need to hear the holiness part. And I'm not thinking of anybody when I go to each side of the room doing that. So if right now you just, I don't want to hear the holiness, okay, we should probably process that, but somebody does need to hear that this morning. And so let's just roll with it. Parents, leaders, wives and husbands, this is God's call. As you live, be imitators of God as beloved children, walking in love. And as you live, be obedient children as you walk in God's holiness. And just so we know, the obedience there that God is calling the church to is not as my understanding of scripture is that not kind of an obedience to the prompting of the spirit you, you know what i'm talking about god let me do this god let me do that that's a good thing and it has this place but as you read first peter he keeps bringing his audience back to the word of god 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 so as we are doing parenting and sometimes we're frustrated we can ask the question am i walking in love knowing that God loves me. And we can also ask ourselves the question, am I walking in obedience to God as God has called me to be holy like him? And this is, I think, a really good question. Um, This morning we were having our conversation next door and I was talking about the joys of preaching, knowing that your entire family is in the front row. So you just can't fake it. You just can't, you can't hose anything, you can't lie about anything, because you're going home with all these people who know exactly what's going on in your life. And it's actually a really big blessing. For Robert Belfort, this time of speaking, I, I, I cannot fake it, even a little bit, because I have um, six other people, and five of them can give feedback, who actually know what I'm like to live with, Right? So if I get up here, I was doing this and I climbed a mountain. Yeah, yeah you went up a mountain in the back of a truck because you passed out. You know what I mean? Like they, they know the details. And children are hypocrisy detectors, aren't they? It's God's blessing. And especially when they're young and they, they, they haven't learned to not say when it's coming out of you. Just like, but you don't. When you, maybe so. And so what, we're, what I'm coming to is for the people who are the adults, the people who are in charge, wherever it is, do you want your children to love you? I hope you say yes. Okay, show them how it's done by believing that God loves you. If it's so easy to feel loved, 
Show them how easy it is to feel loved by God. It's not always easy to feel loved. But we don't have really any spiritual credibility saying, why don't you love me? Why don't you trust me? Why don't you talk to me? If God's up in heaven saying the exact same thing, why don't you love me back? Why don't you trust me? Why don't you talk to me? And things fall apart. In the same way, we don't actually have a right to say to the kids, you need to obey what I'm telling you. If God's up in heaven going, you don't obey what I'm telling you. And things break down. And the whole plan of imitation breaks down. God wants to make things fruitful. As we are obedient parents obeying the word of God, he wants to help us have spiritual authority to lead our children into obedience from the heart. Amen? Ah. But this is how the universe works. And this, this is why I think it's worthwhile to have hard sermons, because if you don't hear that the universe works like this, you're going to go out and live like it doesn't work like this. And weird things and hard things will happen. And then 20 years from now, we'll all be standing around wondering why everything's falling apart. And it's because we didn't understand. Let me prove this from Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, In the Ten Commandments, the second commandment is this. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything in the heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to it or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. God's saying, don't make idols, don't worship idols. Um, If you do, there is going to be generational consequences, but I want to change how that works. Now, it is very easy to hear these words and think, man, God's a bit of a meanie. Saying, I'm jealous and I'm going to visit consequences. Why doesn't he just be nice? Why doesn't he just not have consequences? Why is is the world, why does he, isn't he mean, isn't he mean, isn't he mean? No. His world is, is designed to have generational impact of imitation. And he's saying, if you choose to not imitate me and not image me, but instead worship an idol and imitate that, there are going to be generational consequences. And I'm going to let that happen because that's how I've made the world. But I don't want things to be like that. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were my dietitian and you went back through the last five years and you measured all the different foods I ate and you weighed it up and it turned out that in the last five years I'd eaten three pounds of mushrooms but I'd eaten a thousand pounds of pizza which one would you say I love more and seek out more the pizza obviously right so if God warns that there could be three to four generations of trouble as we reject imitating him, but he wants to do a thousand generations of blessing as we imitate him. Which one does he want to do more? Say it out loud because I want you to say it out loud. What does he want to do more? He wants to hand down generational blessings way more than he wants to allow imitation of unbelief and rebellion to have its impact. That is the nature of God. Don't think this is a bad command. God is saying there are problems when you reject me, but I want to make them about 
300 times more powerful when you choose to imitate me and hand on who I am to the next generation. Amen? So that's the character of God. And Paul would come to us and say, I want you to get that blessing. I want you to get that thousands of generations of blessing. And this is how you do it. Amen? And so what I'm saying here this morning is if what's actually going on in your life and in your family gives you reason to pause, let's come back to the basic foundation and say, God, I want an amazing love relationship with you so that I can walk in the love that I experience from you. And I want a holy, obedient relationship with you so that I can joyfully hand on the holiness of God to people around me in a way that doesn't just come off as being jerky and controlling. Amen. That's where I'm pointing us to. Now, I feel like I don't even have anything else to say, but I do have something else to say. <laughs> So here's my suggestion for us. This week, I want us, if either of these things are hitting you, I want want to invite you to go through Ephesians chapter 1 and list at least five ways that God loves you from Ephesians chapter 1. The first three chapters of Ephesians are just all about all the amazing things God has done for us by free grace out of his huge love. So just do the first chapter and, and I... And you will be blessed as you take the time. You can either write it down if you're a writer or downer, or you can just circle it. And in the presence of God, say, God, I know I don't feel your love or know your love like you want me to yet. But thank you that this is true. And please work these truths into my heart. And commune with him over it. I've had to have this conversation with God a few times recently. God, I just... I don't easily feel loved by you or other people. You know that. I know that. Can we work on it? Good. And also, I would like us to to go through Ephesians chapter 5, which is an applications chapter, and ask God for like five things that stand out to you that you can obey. And maybe things will just hit you and you're just like, well, nothing, nothing impacted my life today, but... I write these things down. God, would you give me a chance to obey some of these things? Because I actually want to share in your holiness in a genuine way. You call me to be an obedient child and share in your holiness. I actually want to do this. I don't want to have a bad attitude about holiness. Can you help me? And so you just spend some time with the Lord and maybe he'll highlight a verse or two or something and you can just thank him on it and, and pray about it. And if you need to do something about it, you can be brave and do it or whatever. And I really want to encourage you, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. We worship the God who called Jesus Christ out of the dead, out of the grave. We're the ones who, who, yeah, we get discouraged, but we can't stay there. Because even death won't stop us. So don't get discouraged. If you have regrets about the past, don't get discouraged. There's nothing like an older brother or sister humbling themselves to rebuild faith and rebuild fellowship and to make younger people want to love you and be with you and receive from you. There's nothing like uh, humility in older people that makes younger generations look up to you. Amen? Can I just get a hand up? If you've ever seen somebody older than you reveal something like vulnerable and you're just like, man, these guys are great. Nobody? Somebody? Okay. Can older people, you look around, if you will share your vulnerabilities, the younger people will look up to you. We actually want to find out that 65-year-olds still struggle too, 
but you're way better at working through it than we are, and would you help? It's so amazing. It, it doesn't make sense. You're like, shouldn't I be perfect by now? Wouldn't people be encouraged if I'm perfect by now? Nope, that's not how it works. Okay. One final story about the power of imitation and wanting to set an example. Um, you, I, I don't like the, these shows where everyone goes on to show their talents in America very much. Um, where, where there's an idle one or it just seems like uh, just a big mock fest or usually and some of the acts are just wrong. However... Um, some of you may have heard there's this guy who's like a Christian worship leader who's on American Idol right now. And the thing that threw me is like I've listened to some of his worship albums for a long time. The, the, the album that I have most often gone to for the longest time, like had the most enduring power, he's on it. So I'm like, what? I recognize that voice. Who is this guy? And his story is that he and his wife, he's like a nurse that works with kids who have really big disabilities. And they have... Um, adopted two kids. They have three kids. They've adopted two kids who have cerebral palsy, and the diagnosis is like, they'll never talk, they'll never walk. They're actually doing better than expected by the mercies of God. And somehow he's on American Idol, and so they're asking, they asked him, like, why are you here? And uh, he said to them, I, I want to show my kids that they can dream big, and it can happen. So he's got two kids that may never get out of a wheelchair, and the thing that floors me is like he's actually exposing himself to nationwide failure. Because he wants to show his kids, you've got to trust in God no matter where you're at, and he can use you, and he can do stuff. To his kids in wheelchairs that may never walk. But, you gotta, but he wants them to know, you, you need to know what God is like. God loves me, I'm going to go out for this, and maybe God will use it to show you that he can do miracles in people's lives, you children in wheelchairs with cerebral palsy. And this is the cost for him. Like He literally could just go on there and get made fun of and kicked off on national television. But instead what's happening is that, you know, there's, the, there's always the mean judge. The mean judge on the show, every time this guy's done singing, he's like bawling and crying, and he's like... I don't know what, like, you're not even the best singer, but you're just, I don't even know what to do. He's just like weeping his brains out in front of America over this dad who's there to show his broken kids what God can do if you will believe that he loves you and obey him in trust. And now he's like into round two or whatever. He, he got the golden buzzer. And the, I just love it. I don't even know what to do. You're not even that good of a singer, but I'm good. And you're the best. That's just the presence of God. It's just the favor of God. This, this guy who's an unbeliever, he's like, something's happening here that's supernatural. Uh, golden buzzer. And this is what I want to say. Every single leader or parent who is willing to come back to basics it's about knowing God's love and his holiness and wanting to be like him in my relationships first before I try to hand stuff off. And I, because I want to have a relationship with people that is a follow me, not go and do. God can do it. He, he wants to do miracles as we humble ourselves. He wants to change our families as we humble ourselves. And we believe he is who he really is. It's just not easy. 
So I'm just going to end one last thing. Um, I was telling Jackie the other day, wherever she is, she's in the back. I was like, Jackie, I just have not really been happy for the last few weeks. I just haven't really been enjoying God's presence. I just, I mean, life's good and things are good, but I just don't, I don't even know he's around. Um, At the same time, I'm changing like crazy. She's like, yeah, you are. You're just not, I, you just, I don't even know what to do with you. You're just calmer, more peaceful, better dad. And so I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on. But I'm just sharing that because maybe this isn't the most comfortable Sunday you've ever had. But if you'll just say, I just want to respond in faith and obedience to God. I want his standard to be my standard. I want to live for what he wants me to do over and above the situation. Maybe you'll change radically. It just won't feel like you're having the best time. And I know God. I'll have have great times with him again. But right now it's like, I don't feel super close to him, but everybody else in my family is happier. Maybe that's like the cross. So let's be ketterers. Let's take the risk. Let's take the risk so that we can be major blessings to people around us and set them up to receive the promises of God promised in scriptures like these. Does the worship team want to get ready and then we'll have a time of prayer? Why don't we just stand together? Father, I am again so grateful for your word. I'm I'm grateful that Isaiah says that... uh, it doesn't return to you without accomplishing its purpose. And Father, if I want you to help this word, which sometimes can feel like a death sentence, to actually produce the hope that you intend it to. By looking to Jesus, we actually are the beloved children of God. Called to walk in real love in our homes and in our church. And through the Holy Spirit of God, we actually are the holy children of God. Called to walk in obedience to your word. And Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, not to get self-centered and self-absorbed. But to really go for it in relationship with you afresh. Because our lives are are already impacting the next generation and the next generation. Jesus, you said that you sanctified yourself for the sake of your disciples. You made yourself holy. You made decisions. You made choices that would be for their good. And I pray, God, even though parenting can feel like the most impossible task and marriage can feel like the most impossible task and sometimes following you can seem like the most impossible task, I pray the truth would come through. That through the cross of Jesus, you have made peace with us. And that as we take baby steps of faith, like that man stretching out the withered arm, you're there to bless and to make fruitful. Father, I know for myself, and I pray for each one of us, would you help us to make the hard choices of humility? 
where we're doing things to humble ourselves before you without even looking to other people, Lord. Whether it's going to accomplish this or manipulate that, but just before you, we need to humble ourselves and do something. Father, I know who you are. Lord, so much grace comes when we humble ourselves. So much peace comes. So much tenderness comes. And this is my desire that every person, every family here would experience the fullness of your promises as we keep coming back to you as your children. Amen.